Hey gang, hey everybody, P- people tuning in, thank you for tuning in, another film photography adventure on the film photography podcast here out of Fairlawn, New Jersey, that's right, uh, former home of the fabulous Codalux plant on Route 208 in Fairlawn, New Jersey, uh, back in the 80s when John Fidelli and I were shooting uh, Super 8. We just drive it over to Codalux, drop it off. Nice. Was just uh, processing? It was processing plant. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it was just processing. Yep. I don't know if they did other film as well. They did. Uh, well, of course, Codachrome. Codachrome. Yeah, Kodachrome. I remember sending my Codachrome. E six Ectochrome. They did both. Yep. Um, but if they ever did C forty one, it was after they named it probably Codalux. Mm. Mm. It actually had a sign outside that said Codalux. Goodness, they didn't switch over, but they added C41 to the line then. C41. Yes. Uh, C41. We're down the road from the old Codalux. The Codalux factory was bulldozed over. uh, And back when I started the podcast, uh, a woman from overseas, I don't remember her name, was doing a project on Kodachrome, asking photographers across the globe to go photograph the Kodak factories or the place where the Kodak factories were. And I received an email, and I took her right over there. And at the time, it was just bulldozed over. It was cleared. You ever see when a factory's cleared and you still have, like, uh, all the foundations are still there? Uh, And it was fenced in, but there was a slit in the fence where you can kind of just walk through. It was all the environmental postings of a cleanup area. Yeah guess after an industrial company leaves a site, they have to test, yes. do tests with soil and The brownfields, they yeah. call it. Uh, is that what, really? Yeah. So I snuck in there and I <laughs> I photographed the empty Codalux factory. Uh, and we're right, right down the road from the old Codalux. And why am I talking about this? Oh, because I have a roll of Kodak Color Plus in my hand. Uh, that I'm testing in the GR1V camera. It's a um, Rico camera. I'm going to be talking about this show. What show? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> and joining me today is uh, Mr. Matt Marash. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hello there. And uh, film doctor Lazenby. <laughs> Hi, Leslie. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all feeling fine today. <laughs> To start out the show, you know, with Matt in town, it's always fun to talk about because Matt works in retail at uh, Midwest Photo Exchange yes. in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. What's hot? What's not? What's What's exciting right now is, well, I mean, just the sheer number of new folks. Like, I, I mention this every time, and I think people just feel like I'm exaggerating it, but every every day there's at least... I would say two to two to six new to film shooters that come in, and and Columbus isn't like a I wouldn't say it's a large metropolitan area. It's you know it's a medium sized kind of city, but it's young enough, and there's so much interest. Um, photographers, non photographers, just younger folks getting into it. It's a really cool thing to see, and. Many of them have a lot of common things that they they don't want the camera to be too big. You know, they're used to a smartphone or maybe a mirrorless camera. What's hot, what we can't keep on the shelf for more than seconds at a time, K1000s. Really? FM2s, FEs, FE2s. You know, if it's if it's the smaller Fs, they fly. The bigger Fs, you know. The bigger Fs. They get, they get F'd. F. Yeah. You mean the... 
capital F's. With a capital, <laughs> yes. You're, unless it's like a specialty, like the F, uh, like the F3HP or the uh-huh. FM, FM2. What's the other? FM2N. N and then the S. Wasn't there an S version? F, F2AS, which yeah, is a big crazy but, one. Yeah, that yeah. one goes crazy. So, like any of the smaller Nikons, I've talked about those before. What are like? There's some new things that are getting crazy price wise and popular. Kids I've never even seen before coming in asking about these contacts point and shoot cameras. Oh, jeez. You know, really? T, T2s, T3. You know, like, where do they get the? Where does the buzz come from? Kardashian. Um, apparently, one of them shoots a shot or shoots with a, a contacts. It showed up on the Instagram. A million other people later say, "I want to do this." Really? They they attempt to buy that up. Now, here's my warning to those of you that don't know about the best of the '80s, early '90s uh, high-end compact cameras. Once the electronics go in that thing, you have a brick. Yes, definitely. Flatline. They are very. Precision camera will take care of you uh, for a lot of money, and you're you're basically out of camera for quite a long time. Most of the, repair, of the folks repairing them that aren't authorized repair places are just harvesting parts off of other cameras. So it's a two for one. They're 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 making it even more scarce on the market for these cameras. It seems like the older, earlier electronics ones are pretty good, and the late 90s, early 2000s ones are pretty good, but just somewhere in there, uh, a lot of those more hybrid, automatic, compact cameras, uh, once that once that metering system goes, that's it. You have a brick. Yes. I think we should pro- somehow get an FPP debonair in the Kardashian's hand. Oh, we just need, yeah. Oh, we my need gosh. Some tastemaker to You would be it. selling them for thousands of dollars a piece, Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> Still get a free roll of 120 film, though. I mean, we got to hook them up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... Uh, so, people, so kids are coming in specifically asking for those contacts. The contacts, T2, that sort of thing. Um, now, if the kid, you know, the kids are, like, open to it, and they don't... Most, like, turn face as soon as you say you don't have that contact, because people are very, you know, brand and item specific. But those that you can kind of tell just, like... Enjoy photography a little bit more, uh, and like the tactile feel. XAs, the little uh, XA ones, XA twos, uh, the original XAs, those those go real, real, real quick. Uh-huh. Which is it's so it's so nice to see because I am still a huge fan of the XA. Ever since Leslie let me borrow her XA four, I can't believe she still let me do that. I didn't even have to co-sign for it or anything. Um, you don't make your kids co-sign for things. <laughs> but it was uh, that was a great. Great camera to shoot with. XA, hot. Uh, anything. XA2, really street just, cam yeah, creed, yeah. 35 compacts, hot, I can say. I had a, uh, in in my hands at the Midwest Photo for maybe two days. It came in, I took a picture of it, and I put it on Facebook. It was a Nikon 35Ti. We talked well, about it yeah, on, those on are the nice. show before. You know, it's just like this camera that doesn't know if it wants to be retro or if it wants to be high-tech, because it's got those dials that... You Which know, yeah. uh, the Nikon 35Ti. Okay. It's that compact that oh, has, instead of the electronic one. readouts, it just has the little... Yeah. It's got, like, the fuel gauge, you know, for yeah. the focus I and stuff. It. Oh, did you? Yeah. That yeah. is... <laughs> Those are that hot. is retro futuristic, yeah. weird, it's like steampunk hot. almost. Yeah. Yes. So that those anything like that is is pretty hot right now. TLRs, compact TLRs, always hot on there. What's um, a compact TLR? So like a Yashica mat. 
okay. uh, Roly 3.5s. The 2.8s are kind of beefy, but 2.8s are always in vogue. Um, yeah, very but, much but like so, 3. aren't they? Yeah, 3.5s. The, the 3.5s for affordable. Yeah. And so all of the above, because they're hot right now, price is like, it's climbing. What about the simple Yashica A? Hmm. Sure. Uh, what was the what was the term that you used uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast? Uh, shelf queen. Shelf queen. Uh, we got it for Ishika A. Yeah, shelf queen. I think the oh, biggest wow. reason I is I think the biggest reason on that is there's so there's so many 124 Matt 124 G's. 124 G's. Yeah, and everybody knows that name, and there you go. You say, hey, no, 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 I want the 124. Yeah. It's really weird. Like I could, if I had a good enough sticker to like put on all of my right. Nikon F's that just said FM. Right. <laughs> like people would probably buy it because of that because they you get an idea in your head yes. of a certain camera yeah. you only want that one, and then when they come to like system cameras like the they're like, I don't because it's all right. different parts and pieces. It's really well, interesting. Well, I th- I think the other part of that is if they've come into photography from the digital aspect, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say they start with a point and shoot, or you know something that's not too complex, they don't necessarily get the fact that in the digital world these cameras are basically all the same. Right, yes. and, and when it comes to the film world, they all have their different characteristics, and they may glom onto something, not realizing that glom, glom, glom. Yeah, they glom onto something, not realizing maybe that that Nikon, the basic Nikon uh, point and shoot that that was so popular, and still is, is a very competent camera, mm-hmm. and probably better than any Hexar they're going to pick up because the other guys, the electronics are going to fail. Exactly. And in the maximum shutter speed, let's say on the Hexar AF, is one two fiftieth of a second, which you know it's like that's that's not very much. Oh, I know. I was going to say this for Dalzell, but yeah, whatever. We'll see him in a He's few here. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it again because it's it blows my mind. A camera that we could not sell, we barely wanted to buy in because nobody wanted it. Uh, Fuji. GW and GSW 690s, the Texas Leica. Oh yeah, can't can't buy them. Can't uh, can't find them. Like they're just. I can't even picture. For a while, they were like? they're cheap. Yeah, they were. You could get them for about oh, just they were at their low point. They were under three hundred bucks. Yeah. You could get them. Now the only folks that have them are Japanese eBayers for the most part. So direct from Japan sellers, pretty trusted. But you know you're still rolling the dice on shipping. Um, Price is going really up high, and so I'm guessing it. I feel like a lot of this is stuff I can't see. I'm just calling it the Instagram effect because, yes, every other time that there's this bubble that's generated by that, it's because of Instagram, which is cool. It's just I wish people would like look a little bit further back into the history of these cameras, like just do a little bit of research on uh, what happens to these cameras over time. Because a lot of times the you know the the shelf queens, as it were, are just the the rock solid cameras that are going to be that they'll, they'll be waiting on the shelf 60 years from now like hey you could have been shooting me right right what about film stock what's hot film stock everyone coming in and asking for uh well the you know we did really well with that uh, p3200 of course that you know because of the price point on that that was sweet yeah. you, know, you know under 10 bucks that's like the right idea with that film i know? totally agree and i'm hoping that the case, uh yeah. upcoming ectochrome isn't going to be priced out of its oh i know it's Ectochrome at high speeds before its demise retail was close to twenty dollars a roll for thirty six. What about like Ectochrome one hundred? It wouldn't have been a whole lot less. It was over fifteen dollars. That's full 
full flat out retail. Very few people sell it for that. Mm-hmm. But it was a high dollar film. Yeah. People said, why is print film so cheap and slide film so expensive? We heard that all the time. Yep. Slide film was cheap to process. They made up the difference in print film because they always sold your prints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And- Midwest carries the Ilford, Kodak. Ilford, Kodak, uh, Fuji. what little bit Fuji uh, hasn't discontinued. And uh, <clears throat> Lomography films. Uh, we carry okay, the, the, sure. bubble, the bubble films. or the, Sorry, the double films. When you say double? There. The double, D-U-B-B-L-E. So it's a specialty film that's pre-exposed? It's, so got, you... it's got like a pre-kind of... Uh, pre color, pre flash in some yeah. way. Yes, yeah. they they There's can have bubbles effect. on them. They can have sparkles in them. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of gimmicky, but it's it's a cool one of. It's not thing. the uh, stuff that you shot once. Yes, the, Mark like, did. Yeah, I did. With the yeah. uh, like it had, it had lightning bolts in it. Yeah, what is that? It was Revelog. Revelog. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much went consumer. Any Agva film yet still around or available? Uh, the only folks I've ever seen have that. Uh, occasionally, you'll see lots show up on Ultrafine or Freestyle. Okay. Um, and then, mm-hmm. the, then the rest of the stuff that, um, well, films. Sorry, just films that are hot. Yes. Ilford, uh, you know, if you're talking, if you're talking to me at the counter, you're going to leave with a yellow box. You're going to leave with a white box because I find Ilford and Kodak are the two that support film the most. Right. And uh, aside from telling you to buy fresh film, you know, go see go see a movie picture, the motion picture that was shot on 35 mil, because that also helps keep right, film alive. Absolutely. But. Those are the two that I'm, you know, I'm a pusher for. But I'm always seeing people ask about a, uh, especially kids. They want a cheap, two hundred or four hundred. So we went from hard selling, you know, nine dollar rolls of Portra to, well, here's two rolls, or here's almost two rolls of Ultramax four hundred. So Ultramax four hundred, we we go through a lot of that just because mm-hmm. it meets a price point. Yeah. So kind of like that two hundred. Yeah. And it's. It's good the film. The 200 and 400 film, it uh, fresh, it's, yeah. if you buy it fresh, it's decent. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, I think some of the times people pull out a roll that they found in a camera bag, right? They have right. no idea how um, long it's been there. And then they get some not-so-great results, and they think, oh, it's bad. This film is no good. And if Mark were here, Mark Dalzell, no. <laughs> he would say, oh, the film's purple. And I'd, I'd like be perplexed. I'd be like, Mark. You've never shot a fresh roll of 200 or 400 in your life. Every roll you pull out is like a decades old. What do you expect? Nor have you ever processed it through with questionable a fresh, chemistry. With, with fresh chemistry or chemistry at a known temperature. Mark, we're, we're beating you up hard. No. Yeah, he's going to be know. miffed when he hears when he all doesn't this. No, he's not. He doesn't listen. <laughs> he doesn't all, we can say more. Yes. <laughs> If he's on the show, he'll listen. But if he's not on the show, he won't bother. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyhow, so any hoodle, any hoodle. So that's 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 what's hot, and that's what's what. What's not hot? Let me ask you about Stylus Epic. Epics, we never see them. You don't see them. The Miju twos, yeah, they, they never come in. And when they do come in, uh, the owner buys it instantly. Oh. <laughs> Did you do a show stamp and an introduction? No, we didn't. didn't. I did it incorrectly, I think. No, we just like, uh, well, we just started, quick, like rolling. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to do this real quick get back to your conversation. Okay. Hey, this is Film Photography Podcast, June 1st, 2018. I'm here in the studio with Matt Mirage. Hey, how's it going, guys? Mark O'Brien. Hey there. Leslie Lazenby. Hello, my lovelies. And my name is Michael Rosso. Hey! hey. So, Matt. <laughs> hey. Um, what's not hot that you like? can't figure out why not? Um, I, well, I can't figure out why... 
uh, a Nikon F that's usually like three times the age of these kids coming in uh, isn't popular, but I, I get it. It's like the size thing. They don't want a really beefy camera. People are scared of, well, not even scared. Um, it's really hard to explain the difference between, the, the price difference is so big between like a Mamiya 645 and like a Hasselblad. It's you're asking me to describe the difference, the intricate differences between an, an apple and an orange, but um, they they have a hard time in their mind justifying the price. Like, oh, this lens has a a shutter in it, and it needs servicing, and it needs upkeep, and things like that. So, so will you sell more of the Mamiya six forty five? Purely on price, never on quality. And what's well, good quality? No, it's it's good quality, but like. No one's ever saying, oh, I'm definitely getting like the best with this. They kind of know. It's right. like, oh, I can get a camera and three lenses for the same price. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always baffled that like some of the good Hasselblad, like there's real, we have insanely good Hasselblad stuff right now. We actually have uh, two full H systems. Yes. It's so, like H1s with all the lenses, like all, all the lenses, the autofocus, like best of the 80s. We also have crazy well, I'll talk about that one. Okay. <laughs> we, have, we have too much stuff. Uh, what do you have on the shelf that's just like you're starting to stack up like you have 10, ten of them? We actually don't really get that deep into anything. Well, hopefully, if, if we're buying it right, we don't get too deep into that. But things that are always kind of like risky buys um, that we know is like is very niche kind of stuff. And we try not to buy a lot of like folders, you know, like 50s kind of cameras because now you're starting to bleed into what uh, are, are less shooters and more collectors kind of stuff. Like your um, your old Agfas, your old um, your old Agfas, your old Kodaks. Like you're not sure what it is, but it's 50s, it's chrome, yeah. it's that sort of thing. Even if it's a 120 camera, those those always kind of hang out. But um, more popular slightly newer system cameras are always rolling out the door. Oh, that's one that doesn't plastic FM10s. Oh, awesome yeah. cameras that are basically brand new most of the time. Yeah. People pick it up and say, "Nope." And Not it's enough like, this camera is worth more than most of the cameras on this shelf just because of how good it still is and most of them are still within service. Right. Like that's an awesome camera and people don't get it because they pick it up and say, "Oh, well, my phone's heavier than this." So it's it's weird. Like people can kind of tell quality by picking it up, but then the buck stops there. Right. So it's really it's interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how was how were sales on uh, the new uh, Polaroid One Step Two? After January one, it was like I feel like that the the time had passed, like the window had passed for that. It was the hottest camera prior to Christmas, and then now it's. Oh, all the old Polaroids. So, like, the word was out with that camera. It was hot to own right then. And now it's just selling old Polaroids and a ton of the film. Vintage Polaroids yeah. selling more. Yes. Mm. So, we're, we're selling more of those and same amount of the film right. as we always have. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And, oh. Any questions for what's hot, what's not? Oh, how many times do you get a call saying, oh, I've got an estate of cameras to get rid of? Oh, actually, so uh, I... They, <laughs> I don't know if it was the mistake made the mistake of agreeing to go on local news station. Oh. Uh, adver- we well, we always advertise we buy sell trade, but then I went on and we had some example kind of cameras uh-huh. for it, and it went from being like just random walk-ins a couple times a week to there are probably half a dozen decent-sized cardboard boxes of you know just junk coming in all right, right. Uh, a day so the advantage of doing the antiques road show on the fun stuff but for everyone every fun one i see there's about 40 really sad yeah. turn downs yeah. like weird fujika junk 
old. Uh, and it's always, you know, the, the stuff we like, the way we like to store things is the absolute worst way to store things for film photography. Or even digital, for that matter. Like, yeah. in a cardboard box in, like, a warm, moist, <laughs> dark area. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Yeah. For what's hot, what's not, this time of year. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about... You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to go into the cosmos. Ooh. Into oh, outer space. Cosmonaut? To get into oh, a spaceship. A spaceship. Oh, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, some big news. We're having our official 2018 Film Photography Project walking workshop this year. The dates are Friday, August 3rd through Saturday, August 4th, and ending on Sunday, August 5th. Really? And what town would that be in, Matt? Finlay, Ohio. Lovely downtown Findlay, Ohio. <laughs> That's Black right. City, USA. Oh, ho, ho. That's right. Come join us. On those dates, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Finlay, Ohio, this summer, go to filmphotographyproject.com. You'll see right on the front homepage the the link to register. What else, Leslie? The link to register and get more information. Register yes. and get more information. You do need to register for this event. There is a $25 registration fee. We are having a reception on Friday night where we'll have some goodies. We hope to have some special guests. A cash bar (laughs) on Saturday. Saturday's a big day because there's all sorts of stuff going on. We're going to feed you some breakfast and we're going to pump you up with some caffeine and we are going to have our classic group shoot of everybody there out in front of the mansion. We are also going to do demos for you this year. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have our famous giveaway table. Also going on in town that weekend is something called our Steam Show. But included with the Steam Show is a classic large flea market. You can go down there for photographic opportunities or just fleas. <laughs> Later on in the evening, it starts late afternoon, we have cartoons. Cartoons on Main. And everybody from all around brings in their vintage automobiles and parks them. And that's under the streetlights at night. So they just have that classic 1960s, just, just cruising. Wonderful to shoot. That's Saturday. Sunday? Hmm, should I divulge Sunday? Please do. Okay. If you would like to set in as audience on FPP recordings for the podcast, you will have an opportunity to do so. It's even possible that we will give the microphone to you. So it's going to be a jam-packed weekend. This is all in our planning stage. Things could change slightly. We could add some things to it. The important thing to remember is that you register right away. Our space is limited. We have always sold out. So it's important to do it early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to see you in Finlay. Hey, we're back. Hey, you know, film photography, I don't know, it's, I told everyone here, you know, we're chowing down at Lee Sushi or, you know, at the famous Oakland Diner, the new hotspot. 
um, film photography is just exploding. It's just everyone's getting into shooting, processing their own, and there are like little pop-up, pop-up, you know, new films or rebranded films popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. One was the Silbera yes. film. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I have, but not shot yet. That was either a Indiegogo or Kickstarter last year. Yes. I haven't gotten mine yet, but I, I know I... There, there's an issue because they're all shipped. I never got mine. Oh. Effed. Uh, and another one is Cosmo Photo 100. It's K with a K. Cosmo. <laughs> not, not Cosmo as in Cosmo Kramer. That's right. <laughs> Cosmo K as in Cosmonaut, maybe. Yes. And uh, take it away, uh, Mark O'Brien. I got a roll of that to try out. For First thing I liked about the film was that it's got a cool box on it, right? A cool box. And I'm a sucker for something that looks interesting, and so I uh, got the film out and loaded it in a in you, my. You uh, bought it online? No, you gave that to me. Oh, hey, how about that? A shout out <laughs> to Mike Rosso. To, no, shout out to Cosmo Photo. Cosmo sent us samples of the film, mm-hmm. and uh, I sent one to Mark. Yeah. I sent one to Leslie. Yes, you did. Sorry, Matt. F. <laughs> <laughs> I gave one to Mark Dalzell. Next time you're going to be first on the list. Promise. That's he, fine. I know what it is. <laughs> he okay. spins the dreidel in here. Whichever way it points, yeah, that's got, who gets it first. So Mark's going to talk about it, and then Leslie's going to uh, add a, um, her comments, because she shot it as well. I did. Okay. Take it away, Mark. Okay, so I got the, the Cosmo Mono 100 in, in, from, in the mail from Mike, and, and I'd been reading about it a little bit. And so I loaded my Nikon N2020 and shot it. And really, you know, it's. I liked it. I developed it in uh, Xtal, and uh, my results are good. And it was a a nice film. And I noticed when I pulled off, when I had it in the dark room, I pulled off the sticker, and it said, "Guess what it said?" Boma pan. Now, why'd you pull off the sticker? Because I knew I was curious as to what it would be. Uh, First of all, <laughs> I know. We all know that there's only a few manufacturers of film around here True in the that. world. And who are these guys? And who are so who are these guys? And I knew, and I also knew that um, the Cosmo Photo blog guy was really pushing this film because he enjoyed using it, and so he felt that people should be able to share in his joy of this film. So I pulled off, and there it said. Foma on the cassette, and so, and I knew, and I've shot Foma Pan in the past. I think it was one of the uh, films that uh, that uh, maybe Freestyle was selling at one point under a different name. Still, still, no, I think it's just Foma. It's just Foma. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I know. I, I in the past I'd shot some Foma Pan, but it's been a few years, several years. So, anyway, I, I like the results from it. You know, it was, it didn't. Uh, Tickle me the way that maybe the Ferrania P30 did has, Ooh, yeah. and we'll talk about that some other time. I think again, um, but you know, it's a it's a good average um, low speed today. We would call 100, I guess, medium speed really, medium, yeah. uh, medium speed film. And so there's nothing. There's, I can't detract from it. It's a it's it's a fine film, and 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 for me at least, I, I was happy with my results. Now. 
there was some chatter online about people were saying, "Oh, wait a minute!" They were so, they were so surprised that he wasn't making the film. And I'm thinking, well, you've got to be kind of naive to think that whether Japan Camera Hunter Street Pan Film or or this film or maybe even Lady Gray from from uh, Lomo. They aren't making those films. Someone they're rebranding them from from another manufacturer, and I have nothing wrong with that. In my mind, because number one, there's it puts more film out there in the hands of people who are excited to try something, and maybe it's something that they've already used before and, and aren't aware of it. It doesn't really matter. You're getting more more film produced. If they're if if, if whether it's FOMA or Kodak or or um, Kent Mir or somebody else putting out film um, on another label. It's getting more film in the hands of more people who might not have tried it otherwise, and they're still manufacturing the film and putting it out there. So I think in the end, it's all good. It doesn't really matter that someone's putting another name on, on the same film that somebody else is selling. And I think for people to think that uh, that it, they were being deceived in some way is is not really a, a correct way to approach it. I think, hey, you know, this this person likes this film so much, he's willing to put his stamp of of approval on it and under his or her name and make it available. I mean, we have FPP film. We don't make FPP doesn't make the film, but it's got our it's got the FPP brand on it. When I, you get I, it, I guess the question is if you go to Cosmo Photo for the product site in the in the text, does it say this is Foma Pen? I, I don't remember if I looked at that or not. That's a good question. I, I had to find the answer by Google where they said that it was, but I don't know that it took me to their site. Well, personally, so, uh, because, and I'll be very quick, because I know the one of the first questions that one of the shooters is going to ask me, mm-hmm. you know, is. What is it? Who manufactured this? I mean, I just know all the questions. FPP Black and White 100 is Orwo UN54. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just says it right on the site. Right. The reason is because the UN54 Orwo is not readily available rolled in the U.S. Right. So my thinking was that the FOMO 100, as you say, is perfectly fine because, quite frankly... Here in the U.S., it is readily available, but in other countries, right. it may not be. Right. I don't know. And the other thing with that is, if someone says, "Oh, it's FOMA," and they might be, they may have a uh, predisposed idea that it's not the best film to shoot, but because they would say, "Oh, I wouldn't order FOMA pain because Joe Blow had a problem with it or something," <laughs> and you know, and, and so they they might not ever have tried it. But now that it's got Cosmo Mono on there, they're saying, "More than oh, happy to." Yeah. They're, they're more than happy to try it. So. If anything, maybe it gets them to, to try out a film they might not otherwise have even thought about using. There's nothing sexy about the f- the FOMA plane. Right, right. You know, there's, it's there's, a competent black and white film. Yeah, but it's not presented with any pizzazz. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it is. Now it is. Yeah. I mean, cool box, and I, I like the, I like the, the the branding and the logo and all that. Knowing what I know is, that I know that. There's only so many manufacturers making film, and so there's going to be some rebranding going on. And I'm okay with that. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how were your results? My results are fine, yeah. I, 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 um, I did put a blog post on Random Photo okay. on there, and people can go take a look and judge for themselves. But I was very happy with what I got. I should really, um, I should really reblog some of your blogs. Feel free. Thank you. I always send. I always send you. It's funny. I always send you. Hey, Mark, can I reblog this blog? You always say, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Leslie also was given a role of yes. Cosmo photo. See, I, I think it should have been Cosmo with a C and have Kramer's picture on the box. That would be classic. <laughs> that would be classic. So, um, take it away, Leslie, for your well, impressions. Well, I handled it as Cosmo. Didn't realize it was Fomapan or check, even check into Fomapan until I got ready to process it. I shot it. I shot it with a competent Minolta Maxim 7, my favorite Minolta beer can lens called the 2885, <laughs> uh, highly esteemed, lovely lens, and st- did and am still using FPP's HC110 to process it in. Mm. Okay, how long do we process this? I'm going to go to the Cosmo site and find out. Oh. Not recommended. What's, what's HC110? Not, HC110 was not recommended for Fomapan 100. Really? Well. Is this true? It is true. Okay. Really? Quick little Google search. I find out, well, it's Fomapan 100. I'll just go to the massive development chart mm-hmm. and see what the times are for Fomapan 100 with HC110, which I did, which was no problem. And just for me, it's an okay film. For a 100-speed film, it had a lot more grain than I really liked. It, it's an okay film. If you're in some secluded country and you can't get film and all at once Cosmo's getting you some film, this is pretty freaking fantastic to have it available. Just not my cup of tea, but appreciative to try it out. And um, in a way, appreciative now to know that it's Fomapan. I didn't have to mix up five liters of Xtol. I had the 110 going at the time. Kind of level. You're just. Like, I wasn't eh. not like the first time I processed. Oh, you guys are going to say I know what she's going to say. <laughs> Shmima 200. In the world, everybody should look like Shmima 200 because it's just so wonderful. You know, it's like wow, this is. Freaking great film. Look how great the world looks with this stuff. This is like experienced it, been there, done it. My results are on my um, my my Flickr account, so you can go there and type it in and, and see it and, and they're okay. Properly exposed, properly processed, just it just didn't have it. I'm I I won't invest, I don't think, in another role for any reason. Experience was good. It just didn't have the kick. It's not miracle whip, it didn't have that zip. It did lie very flat in the scanner hole. Yes, yes. it did. It did like, <laughs> yeah, curl. And we were talking earlier with the doc, the good doctor an episode ago or so. Oh, about curling the, the cupping. Cur- about cupping. I mean, curling back. I can handle. It's the cupping that's a really pain in the mm-hmm. butt. Yes. And and so that's a killjoy. The, the other way to, to mm-hmm. avoid that is to just use films that don't that doesn't happen with. So for me, there's one HP five instead of Tri X. Oh, ooh, hiss! Yeah, I know. I like it much better. Than <laughs> so, Christ. what was your what was your takeaway from the Cosmo photo? Oh, I thought you know, it was it. My results were fine. I wouldn't call them ooh, over the top. But I was also shooting um, up in uh, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and it was snowy, and I you know, and so I didn't have maybe the same kind of um, environment where I'd have a lot of interesting shadow detail and things like that if i was shooting urban scenes or something like that so and i and i as i recall i mean i think the original rationale for this 
uh, for coming up with with the um, making it available was a person like shooting it do it for street photography maybe for certain um, people that fulfills what their range of exposure latitude all that kind of thing plays into but and I and like I said maybe it has something to do too with with the chosen developer I mean I thought oh, it was it was a little mm-hmm. grainy but I've shot you know other films that were far worse and overall it was fine. I mean, it was, there was nothing right. I would say, I'm going to jump jump and kick my heels up and say, oh, yes, at last I found the one film for me. But um, maybe for somebody else, that would be their, their thing. Like so. Leslie with the Shemina 200. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not the most popular selling film in the FPP. No, the pro- 200. Probably not, but you know, I can't... It should be. It should be. For folks listening, uh, the usual suspects regarding uh, uh, home processing uh, you, that you hear about is uh, the D76. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, HC110, super popular. Yes. Uh, not so popular, but picking up steam, X-Tall, these are all mm-hmm. Kodak products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then occasionally I'll get an email about some Ilfer, Il- DDX, I'm not ID familiar. eleven. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the Ilford processing. One, I think the chemistry. ID eleven is the same as D seventy six. Close. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does uh, the DDX compare to? Would you say? It's probably closer to. Hmm. Or is it its own little? Or is that sort of like the uh, Microdoll X? I think it's Microdoll X. Yeah. Okay. X doll. Okay. Two part. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have an X doll. Here at the FPP, we have our, of course, our own knockoffs, which I highly encourage folks to pick up because it's fun. It helps us, like FPP one ten instead of HC one ten. May I interject? Yes. HC one ten is long time. People love HC-110. Yeah, yes. They use it for a lot of things. If you're doing ex- expired film, it cuts the fog down, too. But it comes in quite a large container anymore. Big old bottles. Yeah. Big old bottles. Oh, yeah. It's usually Last a forever. supply. <laughs> yeah. FPP now has... It's a smaller size. Eight ounces. It's eight ounces. It's just brilliant. Little it's shots. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Works, yeah. And it just works so well. And I see no difference. And that is concentrate, so you have to make your your working solution from that just like right do we have the little the u.s things for what's the syringe thing like to measure it out like the small amounts because um, a lot of people use those with the the hc one too like a um, like a turkey baster no, no like, 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 like a needleless like syringe yeah they take like one to five millimeter milliliters well, at a time mm-hmm. well what is the ratio to mix HC1 one to thirty-one. Is one to thirty-one is dilution B. One to sixty-three. Popular dilution yeah. B. Yeah. Dilution B is probably was it one to sixty-three, I believe. Or, or no, that's the H. Is the that's the H? Yeah. Yes. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. Yes. So um, I guess my question so, is, yeah, why when you have you know all these the usual suspects D seventy-six HC one ten X tall, why would uh, any film be like not recommended with HC one ten? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe that I found the time too short. It should be traditional processing. They want to be five minutes or longer, not five minutes or less. I don't believe that was it. No. It, um, sometimes it's literally just availability of where it's manufactured for it's testing. possible. Yeah. Mark, where did you process in? Uh, Xtal. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Leslie? Uh, FPP 110. That's oh, why I, that's... The not recommended. Yeah, that's when I found out it was Fomapan, and I went to Microdol, or Massive Development Chart and well, got my time. anyway. Well, of course I did. It's not worth doing. Less. No, that's uh, wrong. But and they were fine? Negatives are fine? Fine, but not exciting. Maybe you needed the wrong, wrong chemistry to make it more exciting. 
Extol would have been better. I already know. It would have been more pop, pop better? Um, probably finer grain, because I just mm. thought it was, for 100, pretty darn grainy. And I, I mean, got nothing against grain, but for 100, it should be a little tighter than that. I guess one thing one could do is just have their one roll of film, and let's say it's HP5, and so you look up your times, and let's say D76, HC110, and then maybe, well, maybe X-Tall or whatever. Well, thank you. Siri was just talking to me for no reason. I have no idea why. You must have said time. Oh, oh. Oh. Siri, time. Don't listen to him, Siri. <laughs> anyway, take that one, one, one type of film, process it in this recommendation for the, a bunch of standard developers, and then see, and just shoot the same scene, and then see which one you like the best. And that would probably tell you, because there are differences in the, how the developers react with different films, mm-hmm. and then see which one works best for you. It could, it could just be that maybe for what you, the style of things that you shoot um, and your expected results are. There's always going to be D76, and maybe it's D76 one-to-one mm-hmm. better than the stock um, basic solution. So I think there's, that's a one fun thing about shooting black and white film is you've got so many different opportunities to experiment that you don't have with C41 film or E6 film. And so if you really want to experiment with um, what works best for your how you want to shoot things and your expect, expectations on how your uh, scans are going to look, go with black and white. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Matt Barash has a question. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, although I didn't shoot any Cosmo, one thing I w- would like to add to all of this, if you are doing your own black and white processing, kind of piggybacking on what Mark has, has talked about, there's so many variables that go into it, and there's so much personal influence that happens over the course of that. I can't personally make a call, whether it was my good job or my bad job that resulted in what I think about the role of film. Take, buy five of the, those yeah, rolls right. of film. Like, really give yourself a chance. Standardize it first, Absolutely. because Absolutely. otherwise you're just shooting in the dark. Mm-hmm. Give yourself yeah. a chance. Also, I'm, I'm, this is a whole a whole different topic. But if you're shooting, sending it to a lab, and they're doing the scans for you, oh, you, you, you're not. It's not your. It, it's. I don't want to say because it it's not actually true, but it's not your photography. You're at the mercy of whatever yeah. technician is mm-hmm. doing your scans because I've seen a lot of people posting. Are, are they hungover? Or do they like doing what they're doing? Yeah. I see oversaturated <laughs> images. I, I, you know, and I just I, as soon as I see it, I'm like I, oversaturated. You know, like oh, I could yeah. pull that down in the scan. Like mm-hmm. some people like that. I think that's fine, but you be the judge of that. And I can't stress enough. So many folks are getting into processing their own film. Bite the bullet. <laughs> Drop the 500 or whatever it is oh, to get the, the V. I don't even know what the V750 costs these days. Uh, discontinued. But used or oh, secondhand. Used, used, used under under 400 bucks. You yeah. could probably even still get a refurbished V700. Yeah. yeah. Yes, under four. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you know, do your own scans. It's your only it's real easy. way to kind of handle you know your mm-hmm. own photography or of course if you're working with a lab you work with all the time and some of the smaller labs you may get to know who's doing your scans mm-hmm. and then you could have a relationship and figure out you know you know have a little bit of input maybe right. into your scans so not so much on the scanning but back to to the one roll thing it's true it takes if you have just one roll of something you're never going to really get to test it out like i said mm-hmm. you know i'm up there shooting up north and so 
if I, have, if I were shooting that somewhere, you know, in town or whatever, it'd be my results may may be quite different. But it does take some time with any film stock to get to know its characteristics and see what what works better for you, whether you're developing yourself or whatever. But the thing is. You can't really judge a film very well on, on a one roll, and so I've I've in my blogs I put up this is a one roll review. Mm-hmm. You can take that f- from that what you want. And since it, let's say it was something like Loma Chrome Turquoise, I was only ever going to get one That's roll it. of that, yeah. you know, and that was it. So, but another film, if it's still available, you can go back and try more. But I would also say if you're also like you see these guys saying, oh, I've got this expired roll of such and such. What's your results can I expect? There's no way of knowing. Nope. And so if you had, if you said, oh, I bought a a, bo- a pro pack or a, a box of 25 rolls of this stuff, I, and said, well, okay, we'll try one or two, and then you'll know what you're going to expect with the rest. It, it may be just pure, utter dreck. But the thing is, if you only you, you got to try a roll, but if you only have one roll to start with, yep. and it's expired ectochrome from 1977, Good luck. Uh, it, you, the chance of getting anything reasonable out of it are minimal. And you might as well just use it for testing to see if your camera is actually loading film okay. That's wow, how I feel exactly. about it. Exactly. No, it's it, it's there's so much uh, there's so many in a good way so many factors that go into it but in a you know it can be frustrating if like so like you know hey welcome if you're new uh, but if you are new give yourself yeah give yourself a chance to get a little bit better at it and practice with it it's give a chance yeah and yeah, give it a chance, chance. And one thing i always say in like uh, a lot of the darkroom classes i do especially the the developing and the printing class don't cheap out now you've taken all this time you bought a camera you've gone out to the location you're you're listening to us on the podcast you probably care about photography more than point and click like point and shoot so just you know buy another roll yeah. Use fresh chemistry. Out. Yeah, just just get it done. Get that Polaroid. Don't just put one pack of film through it. Oh, Come on. Hold on put the topic. 50. Oh. <laughs> hold on the topic. Yeah, if you're going to get into Polaroid, I think you need to commit yourself for a good, whatever, six yeah. months a year. Whole hog. There's no, like, one pack in a camera. Like, right. no. no. Come on. Because the other part of that is, let's say you're shooting Polaroids. Knowing what that camera can do. Mm-hmm. Um, in given situations is really important in determining what kind of exposures you're going to get out of it. And you're not going to get that with just one pack of film. Nope. Oh. You need to shoot it in all kinds. Like that picture you showed us an episode or two ago uh, with your Instax Square of yes. the lights at night. Yes. That was fantastic. Yeah. Now, if someone's just thinking, oh, I can only shoot this in the daytime, and they don't go out and shoot at night, they're never going to know the capabilities of a camera. So you need to test these things and, and go out and, and not only test the camera, you're testing yourself as well. Sure. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yes. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And from an objective standpoint, like, if, if I... I would buy all the Instax Square stuff if, I, if the first image I saw was like that image you showed oh, us yeah. from the Instax Square. Like, but now people are going to be sorely disappointed when they realize no, it's probably also going to take the the scores of Polaroid experience that go into that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I just jumped out of the Jeep, shot it, and jumped back in. What are you talking about? <laughs> Don't tell us that. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was the bloody shirt night or not. Might have oh, been. Ooh. That was fun. Interesting. <clears throat> hey, when we come yeah. back, uh, the doctor will be in, and we're going to read a letter. Do we have a letter to read? I get hot and thirsty riding a skateboard. Me too. This is a job for Kool-Aid. Hey, Kool-Aid! Yeah, Kool-Aid's here, bringing you fun. Kool-Aid's got 
others on the run get a big wide happy ear to hear Kool-Aid's Tastes great. Our friend's cool. Our friend's Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid brown soft drink mix. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're back. Hey, we have uh, a letter going to be read by Matt. Is this something you took out of an envelope, Matt? Did you pre-read that? What is it? No, I didn't pre-read Is that for you? Who's it for? Is it wacky? Well, I don't know. Hold on. Hey, Matt, everyone left. We just you and I could chat. Oh, great. Hey, what's going on, man? Not my, you know what? I am, I'm so excited uh, for the, like the first time in the longest time about the stuff I'm doing in the dark room right now. You know, like yeah, you, you just kind of get used to it. Yes. I was actually really sad. You know, when I first got started in photography, I'd be in the dark room six eight hours, and like no, it felt like no time had passed. I'm like, oh shit, it's eight hours late. Right. It's two in the morning. I gotta get home. And then I kind of get into the groove of things, and you get to a certain point with your your equipment. This kind of goes hand in hand with the film stuff that you're, uh, you know, the what took eight hours in the dark room. You're like in and out in like an hour and a half, and you're like, oh, I guess I can go do the dishes now or yeah. go do life. But now I'm like experimenting around with some some funky stuff. Uh, I'll I'll be talking about it here hopefully pretty soon. I want to like space this out. I don't want to like drop all the exciting mm-hmm, news mm-hmm. at once. Um, but there's some. Some cool shit I'm working on. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'm also doing some collab projects. I remember my buddy uh, Tariq yeah. out, yes, uh, in Columbus. Um, we're doing some collab work on a, a color large format project. Oh. The big stuff. So, you know, all sorts of cool stuff going on. Uh, classes are keep me busy, but uh, this is fun. That's, Always make time for FTP. It's, it's great to be uh, inspired and find, you know, find your groove. Yeah. So why don't you read a letter? Yeah, yeah a letter. so I got a letter. A stack of letters. All right, let's see. I do have a stack do. of letters? I know. Let's they stack. pertain uh, to him. Let's do. This one's not bad. Ding. We can go over this one. So, this letter is from. <laughs> <laughs> not from Mark. Does. <laughs> Mark really gets it on these these no Mark episodes. Oh, that's that's pretty good. The hair is spot on. I have to say. I don't think you have this though. Uh, that might just be like the chin shadow because I get like this crinkle going on on it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, this is from Simon. Hey guys, I've recently been enjoying your podcast very much. I listen to it all day at work while making the cheddar. Literally. I'm a cheesemaker oh. in Vermont. Oh, blessed are the cheesemakers. I have something I was hoping to get some input on. I'm 22 years old and I've been shooting films since I was about 14, and my father gave me his old Canon T70 that my mom. Yeah! Yeah! That my mother owned in college. Up until I was about 19, I shot a lot of digital because of lack of money to buy film. Since I've been shooting and collecting all these different 35s. Recently, I've been looking into getting into medium format and was looking at a Bronica or an ETR or a Pentacon 6. That being said, when I started doing research into film and 35, I discovered the Nikon F3 and was... uh, and all the wonders that came along with that. So the question I have is, should I leap into medium format or pick up the Nikon and continue 35 for now? If you guys could give a little bit of input from each, it'd be most appreciated. Uh, all the best, Simon. So before we get into everybody's like answers to this, because I'm sure we'll all have different ones, uh, I've been back, back and forth with Simon, and tentatively we have an agreement where we might be able to exchange some film for some fresh, ultra-fresh handmade cheese. 
way. Yes. No, seri- like serious business. Like Simon's going to... I've never to- had ultra-fresh homemade cheese. Is I- it different than stuff you get in the supermarket? It's amazing. Really? Amazing. No, Mark, you have a grin on your face. You're scaring this me. This guy's a cheesemonger. And you we, like cheese? We should, oh, yeah. We should probably cheese. get him whatever film he wants. How do we How do we do this exchange? Does uh, he send it in dry ice? What happens? Uh, no, I'm not, no, no. Cheese can be like, it can be like room temp, but like cool to like, you know, prolong it. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited, though, because I love fresh cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think he should keep shooting with a Nikon because... Just changing your format doesn't necessarily mean you'll get better images um, or, you know, it might get something different. But I think learning to use that one camera to its fullest is a a better way to go about it. And then when when you feel like it's not giving what you want for a certain thing, then move on to medium format. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. What did you suggest, Matt? Counterpoint. Actually, let me... Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Screw that. I jumped right into medium... No, uh, let's see. That is what I did. <laughs> jumped into oh, large actually, format. Yeah. What are you I jumped, about? I jumped into a lot of things. That's <laughs> Decisions were made. No, let me see what I actually did say to Simon. I might have been, you know, I might have been feeling different that day. I said... Oh, I kept it pretty... I kept it pretty neutral. Choice of format is a very personal one and often impacts style. Uh, I was telling him, you know, 35 has an incredibly small form factor uh, and it's very, very reflexive sh- uh, style of shooting. So streets, uh, street portraits, um, uh, really street shooting, any sort of portraiture, um, action, large format, medium format can't come close to that. Um, you know, the trade-off is less enlargement and stuff. But if you're just going to be putting it on Instagram or you know, showing it, um, you know, not printed too large, 35 is just the most versatile. Uh, you know, when you talk about what films are available, most films are available in 35. Even jumping down to medium or jumping up to medium format. You're you're cutting off ninety percent of the films that are out there right. available, um, and then I gave him a choice. If he's looking at the medium format systems, uh, I like the Pentacon because it has a more signature look. But it's kind of a it's like it's a cult camera too, so you're gonna be paying more. Uh, oh, I also let him know my number number zero rule in photography: keep it fun. Okay. If you're not having fun with it, like it doesn't matter. So you're gonna have fun with the camera. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it shouldn't be a chore. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's think? it? Yeah, what do you think? 35, 120? Well, I can only talk from experience, and, you know, I started with a hand-me-down 35-millimeter uh, Canon FT, so that was all I knew. I was young. I was in my teens, so to me, the exciting part was adding on to that kit, so, you know, I started with a 50-millimeter uh, 1.8, and when I was given gifted a Vivitar 80-200, it was like the most awesome thing in the world. Definitely. So I think 35 is an awesome uh, format to um, start with. And I also think from the experience of handling, loading, touching 120 roll film, grab a Holga or a plastic camera because that gets you rolling and figuring out how to use the format. The mechanics, yeah. And then from there, it, it depends. You know, I'm a camera holic and I'm always juggling different cameras, all different formats. But as a kid, I only used one, and I don't understand that experience anymore because now that I experience so many different cameras, I don't know what the mindset is of a person who's just starting film. Do they become camera camera holics? Do they jump from one camera to the next? Do they jump formats? I don't know. I don't know. 
That's nice. Mr. Han, will I pass this class? Gee, Mr. Spicoli, I don't know. That's nice. I really like that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave your words on this board for all my classes to enjoy. Giving you full credit, of course, Mr. Spicoli. All right. A solid 35 millimeter SLR. I mean, you just can't beat it. Yeah, like an F3. I mean, that thing's a tank. Grab all, the, all the lenses. Yeah, F3. Yeah. Was, it, you you can't go wrong with a situation like that. It's yeah. an excellent but camera. Desert Island. Regardless of whether it's Canon, Nikon, uh, Pentax, doesn't matter. I would say a kit, 50 millimeter, 24 millimeter, mm-hmm. 135 millimeter. You're yeah. set. Yeah, it's good. You're set. Although I still dream. <laughs> the desert island about, the, about Polaroids. I, no, I dream about the Canon, the L lens. It's a it's a beast. It's a monster. It's it's something I should never have. It's a Canon fifty to three hundred millimeter zoom L lens. You actually want that one? I, it's always over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, it's super expensive. It's a monster, and I have practically no use for it. But it looks cool. But it's just something I've always been like, oh, Canon L50 to 300 millimeter. I could just have that. But then what would you need after that? I would. I don't need that at all. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to hear from you, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh, do give us a shout out, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, the doctor will be here. Hey, this is Michael Rosso, host of the Film Photography Podcast, and a huge thank you to folks out there who have donated to the FPP over the last few months or year. If you love the FPP and really dig the podcast and continued blogs, videos, then please consider donating to the Film Photography Project. And you could do so very easily by either finding a camera, a film camera that works, and consider donating it to the show. Do you have any excess film that you're not shooting? Or if you can make a contribution, you could easily do that on the FPP Film Photography Project site and click Donate. Everything that's received is used for the Film Photography Project and its podcast, and any monies that are made in the FPP store just fuel the podcast. Let's keep these shoes going. The Film Photography Podcast. It's here for you. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. The doctor is in. May I have your temperature, please? (laughs) This is patient number three. First time processing film. Ooh. 35 millimeter. Major, major case of the film sweats. Mm. Removing the end caps off the film in a changing bag. Mm -hmm. Had to stop and continue later. Confidence just flushed down the tubes. Couldn't get the end caps off. Vital signs. We know end caps. It's 35 millimeter. (laughs) We are using a changing bag, not a darkened room. So you've got a changing bag that's collapsing around your hands. You get clammy in there. Yes, hot. And watched a YouTube video that said, remove the end caps with pliers. Oh, pliers. Come on. Pliers. Come on. Pliers. Come on. The doctor's going... There are lots of, there's lots of information online, 
and some of it is wacky, it works for that person. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. Well. Doctor. Doc says, get yourself a kitchen can can opener. That's it bottle opener. Mm-hmm. Usually one end is pointy, the other end is round. Mm-hmm. You'll recognize it. Old term for it's called a church key. Mm. And um, it'll just use the round end. It will literally just pop those little ends right off. If you don't remember, some people like to leave the tail out when they rewind it. Some cameras do it automatic. I always you know, retrieve. And it winds it in, but I oh, always hope retrieve. for that. I always yeah. use the film leader retriever I, because Yeah, I, I do too. I didn't like how this was back to Professor Jeff, the way he mm. laid it out. Um, his dark rooms always had like this little kind of it was modified, a thing. Yeah, modified beer can opener on the side. He bought it those from me. I'd <laughs> countless times accidentally cut myself oh. in there oh, jamming you did? one. Well, just on the cartridge, just jamming it on. Okay. So uh, did the, do the retriever. Makes me feel like I'm uh, picking a safe lock and then I'm done. And when you do the retriever yes. and pull the tail out in the daylight, mm-hmm. you can pre-cut you the can tail cheat it off. On. Yeah. You can pre-nick those little corners off. You can and actually get about an inch onto it too, so all yeah, you gotta do is makes it good. Go. Yeah. And then, and another little help for this when you're using a change changing bag is to get one of these little refrigerator shelves. The dollar store, a little wire. It's just a little wire rack. It's open because it just has legs on it. Put it inside your changing bag. Put your scissors, your film, and everything underneath it. Zip it all up. Put your hands in there. And it holds the bag from collapsing on your hands, which kind of is, kind of drives you nuts. Drives you nuts. Keeps everything a little bit more open. Less film sweats. And I mentioned this to patient 003, <laughs> and they tried it out, and they loved it. Because yes. I've got one of those openers. I tried it out. The, the pliers just pinch it tighter, mm-hmm. where this just pops it right off. So patient number three, total success. Excellent. Very nice. Mm-hmm. We have another patient, or we'll save it for another show? We're going to save fit for another show. Okay. Oh, I have a book, and I, or I could do a camera review. Let's do a quick book. Okay, quick book. All then right. Then we're going to do the vector. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll talk about the Time Life Library of Photography. Oh, boy. Oh, is that the library I have sitting in on the... Remember you brought one over to the studio? No. Like a long time ago? There's, yeah, a, like there's a, whole... a Kodak one and a Time Life one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You have all volumes? Not with me, but I have all the volumes. Did you buy them new or you bought them used? I bought them used. Take it away, Mark. All right. I have another book review for all our friendly listeners. I have a pretty good-sized photo library at home. And um, and one of my shelves, I have a number of books linearly arranged, obviously. They're all very similar. and They're all the same size. And they have um, distinctive typography on the, on the spines. And every once in a while, I find myself going back and looking at them, and I'm constantly impressed with the content. So what I'm talking about are the books, the Time Life Library of Photography. You might have seen some of these volumes at thrift stores or news bookstores, or, of course, on eBay and on Amazon so on, um, newsbooks.com. You rarely see all the volumes, But I'll tell you, there are 17 volumes in the regular series of these books. Um, The first volume appeared in 1970. 
and I think they represent some of the finest resources available for anyone interested in learning about photography. He considered that the publisher had some of the finest photographers working for, for Time Life, they had excellent writers, and they had great resources, and that combined with the excellent writing and the approach that they take, not to encapsulate everything in one large book, but to instead focus on one aspect in each volume, or a number of aspects in each volume, and I think it ends up being like taking a photography course. If you want to learn about how cameras work, you want to learn about the print, you want to learn about how to do um, studio photography or lighting, there are volumes all for those things. Every once in a while I go back to a volume and I'm just reminded of just how good these books are. And it doesn't matter if you're shooting digital because a lot of the concepts in here apply to photography. Digital photography is still photography, folks. It's not so different. <laughs> not so different. No. And you will find yourself... I mean, a lot of the digital um, resources that are out there now are very um, camera-specific, oftentimes, or model-specific. But the information there that exactly they give you the is just rehashed stuff from other, other things. Where if you go to something like Time Life... All the basics are in there, and it's got, on top of that, it has excellent photographic examples of what they're talking about. So the, the books will provide as much as you're willing to absorb, no matter what, if you're just starting out or an advanced amateur or a seasoned person, you might go back and find yourself looking at these, and you might find inspiration, um, but certainly they're... They are just really well done. You can start with the camera, which is the first volume, and go on from there. As I said, there are 17 volumes, and they had yearly updates from 1973 to 1982, plus they had a, a yearly update in 97, 1996, 1997, and 2000. Um, the print is an excellent resource, as is light and film. And, of course, the other one, they have the dark room. Dark, and the one I also like is photography as a tool. And another one, caring for photographs. Um, I see the complete 17-volume sets going for about $50 on eBay, which is probably a steal, I think. Um, of course, there's also has to play for shipping. But I think if you really want a useful set of books that really don't aren't outdated um, in their approach and in their material, um, you can't go wrong. They belong on your bookshelf. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And, folks listening, you could have this. The vo- How many do we have over there? How many you got over there? I have one volume here. You could have these on your bookshelf. Sixteen volumes. You have fifteen there. Fifteen there plus the one you got. How many in this whole set? Seventeen. Oh, where's the last one? One of those might be an index. I'm not sure. Okay, or you can go on eBay. And speaking of Time Life, I um, Time Life put out volumes of like, for for example, Time Life History of Jazz on vinyl. Uh huh. It was uh, each set was in a beautiful case, and they put out oh I don't know forty. Wow. I walked into a record store across the street from where I live, old-timey record store. They have the whole whole set. I'm like, "Uh, how much for the whole set? He's like, "Uh, five bucks a volume. Each volume contains four or five records. Wow. So I walked out. I got a hand truck. I walked out with the whole collection. (laughs) You're right. You can find these collections for almost nothing, whether it's Mm -hmm. books, vinyl. So folks listening, uh, we have 16 volumes here. That was uh, donated by Matt years ago when we were in Butler. Think of uh, poor, poor us having to cart these around all these years. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, Where do they come from, do you recall? 
if if I remember right, these were what we used in Professor Jeff's class to press down prints. Uh. <laughs> Somebody probably donated the set to him. Yeah, I mean, this it's just the it's it's sad how quickly they get passed around and donated, but the information in there, like Mark was saying, it's it's completely timeless. Yes. Photography hasn't changed in 175 years. It's just the the fundamentals are the same. So yeah. we have one set here. If you're serious about having these on your shelf. Uh, they're yours, but I just ask that you pick up the shipping, uh, which means we could ship them uh, media mail right. based mm-hmm. on where you're located in the U.S. If you're overseas, it's going to cost a fortune. I don't don't recommend it. But if you're serious about it, well, I would send you uh, what it would cost and a PayPal invoice. You just pay us for shipping, and they're yours. That's a good deal, I think. Yeah, I think it's an awesome deal. Serious inquiries only. First come, first serve. Podcast of filmphotographyproject.com. The Time Life is it called History of Photography? What is it called? The Time Life... Life Library of Photography. Life, yeah. li- Time Life Library of Photography. Library of Photography. Yep. Can't beat it. And I, the, the, again, the, the examples they have in here for photographs oh, are really great. excellent. Yeah. I mean, they had really good resources to pull these things together, and, and uh, I, I really enjoy them. Thank you, Mark. If you'd known we had it, you wouldn't have to lug those. I only brought three. Okay, very good. Um, a favorite of mine we're going to talk about when we come right back. Uh, hands down, I'm just a sucker for Kodak Instamatics. As a matter of fact, Mark, last time you were here, I don't know if you recall, it was a brown paper bag with a handle on it of just old cameras. Right. That's where the... Uh, That's where my money oh, goes. That beast, the brown beast. No, nope, down right, by, right there. It's only one. No, right there. Oh, that one. Yeah. That one. In that... Uh, bag that Mark donated to me was a bunch of stuff, including um, (laughs) this is a uh, Keystone Criterion Deluxe 16mm camera, but in there was uh, Kodak Instamatic 20 110. I mean, of all the things that are in that that, uh, box, that is what I was like, oh, I actually made that sound. Like, oh, Kodak Instamatic 20. I love Instamatic cameras. Although, Leslie, the book, the book, the camera you're going to talk about is not an Instamatic. Correct. It is of the Kodak plastic families, mm-hmm. family of cameras designed for, you know. Family fun. Family fun. There you go. So, actually, F the break. Tell us about it. What do you, you have You got there? it. This is called a Brownie Vecta, or the title of my segment is The Brownie Vecta, or Why the Heck is This Camera So Expensive? (laughs) (laughs) I am not always... Oh, you'll be all shocked. You'll be all so shocked. It's not $5? You're all going to be shocked at what I'm going to say. I am not always pragmatic about cameras. What? What? (laughs) If one catches my eye with the design, I only think about its functionality later. (laughs) Thus, enter the Brownie Vecta. When I saw this cute little vertical camera, I went on search for one. The first place you go when you go on search? The The bay. bay. The bay. First, a little history, and I realize this is not video, so we'll describe it, but the Kodak Brownie Vecta is made of gray molded plastic. It's not Bakelite. It is molded plastic, and it's a basic upright design. It is designed by... Kenneth Grange. We don't know him so well, but he is a British industrial designer. You will know some of his 
successes. The UK parking meters for veneer. Do they look like that? <laughs> they do not. Kettles and food mixers for Kenwood. The razors for Wilkeson Sword. Ching, ching. You know. The, yeah. Cameras for Kodak. Typewriters for Imperial. Cigarette lighters for Ronson. And most recently, um, the Royal Mail post boxes and the London Black Taxi Cab. So he's been very prolific in industrial design. Introduced in 1963, discontinued in 66. It was made by Kodak Limited in England. There are some pretty impressive specs on this camera. That camera? Oh, heck yeah. Are you ready? Are you setting down? Yes. <laughs> fixed lens, 5 feet to infinity. Fixed aperture, f14. Fixed shutter speed, 1 50th of a second. Perfect camera. There it is. There is no tripod socket. Oh. There is no way to attach a flash. Why would there be? Why would there be? It's because it's England. That's why you need a flash. <laughs> it, it, it uses 127 roll film. Uh-oh. It shoots uh, 1 and 5 eighths by 2 and a half inch in portrait format. Only. So it's shooting up and down rather than sideways. It's very strange. It's very strange. I thought, that's why I saw it. I must, must have. have. Must have. <laughs> the first thing I noticed about it was normally... When you wind, you wind on the top, and it's clockwise to advance your film. Mm. This winds from the bottom. It's counterclockwise, which is like the entire wrong direction. Now, I'm not surprised, because you Britishers put the steering wheel on the wrong side of the car. (laughs) Well, it was also, was he a photographer or just I have no idea. But it... I don't want any of you keyboard commandos to get on here and say, wrong side of the car, what you talking about, Brody? But <laughs> I drive one of your British racing machines, and I absolutely love it. I think it's my most favorite car ever, so don't give me any trouble. What is unique about this camera is literally the visual design. It is a vertical box camera. Mm-hmm. It has cutouts only where your fingers go so that you hold it properly there it is look at that this is a mom camera this is a mom camera really horizontal it's a little tougher it gets a little uncomfortable classically of course easy to use another thing that's a little different about it is there is no shutter button it's a shutter bar check that out kids space bar it's a space bar i like it I saw you trying to advance it the other way, though. I know, I did. did To demo it to the guys. Um, Part of the expense of this camera, I'll get get to what it goes for today. Um, There are not many available here in the U.S. I've never seen one. This is an English camera. It was made for them. They didn't bring it here. It's not rare. It's just not here. Okay. To, To find it on eBay... This sells day in and day night, and at, in and out, up and down, $75. Whoa. <laughs> Get out of here. Come on. You pay for that F-14 lens. Man. $75. How many were produced? I have no idea. It was done for three years. 63? Millions. To 66, probably. Uh, now, on, e- on eBay, did you try UK eBay? No, I tried. No. Okay. Wasn't thinking that. Another fact that's not really that unknown is the fact that I'm a night owl. A little bit. And, a little bit. And on one of those sleep, sleep elusive nights, 
I found a vector for under $20 with the box and the instruction oh. manual and reasonable shipping for $20. Boom, I snapped boom. it up. Snap this it up. happened to be after New Year's Eve, and I was still awake till 8 the next morning. So I'm very glad I did not make a New Year's resolution not to buy any cameras because it was gone <laughs> right away. I did, a little, I did a little cleaning on the body. I have some blue fire cut down Portra 160 film. Mm-hmm. I put that into the camera. Fantastic. It did its job. I didn't push. Th- I pushed the camera as much as I knew to. Take it outside. Don't shoot it inside. The film, on the other hand, let me down. The paper backing had transferred to the film. Um, the, sh- the shots were great. I will post them. I don't. Oh, okay, I haven't yet. But they are processed. And... Um, it was good to go. The instruction manual, which I don't have oh, with me. Box. The instruction manual is a scream. I don't know how they got so many words into operating this camera. <laughs> this little thing unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. The thing that was the most useful probably for the um, instruction manual is it did give me a guide of the accessories available. What? Yes, accessories. No. Yes. The accessories available are uh, a codisc. K-O-D-I-S-K, close-up lens. And it cuts your minimum focus from five feet down to two and a half to four. Two and a half to four, and then five. So apparently between four and five is the dead zone. Don't put anything there, ever. I don't know what's going to happen, but don't do it. They also offered a yellow codisc filter. Kind of pressure fits on the front for black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A case and a lens hood. That's, That's it. it. We're done. So, it has been fun to shoot with. Stay within its limitations, within the reason of your um, your film. Your film always is going to give you a little latitude. Give it some light. Yeah. It, right. And it is so much fun to use. Uh, I love having it in my collection. The, the only mystery to me on this, why the heck does it bring that price? 75 bucks. I don't know. That's it. Michael, you have a question. I do. How many exposures per roll? Eight. The box is showing the proper aspect ratio of... Is it that... What is the size? It's wide. It's It's one and five-eighths by two and... Oh, eight per roll. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like the six Eight images on a roll. One and five-eight inches by two and a half. And you you have shot with it. Are you pleased with your results besides the... Absolutely. I was pleased with the sharpness of it. I, I got. I just dang this thing. This you, did great. Do you have a roll of film with you here at FPP? I do not. Would you? This is yours. No, it was on the table. Would you like me to roll you a? We're supposed to get sun tomorrow. And would you like me to roll a? I have Portra one sixty NC. No, what I would like to do is to go to the FPP store yes. and buy a roll of Rarapan for real. Absolutely, because it's use it in that. made for this camera. Okay. Yes. This is just an aesthetic Matthew, you question. Have the floor. Oh, thank you. Uh, aesthetic question. This is probably the fifth 127 camera I've seen that's gray. They're all gray. Yeah, why are they gray? Isn't that interesting? The because isn't roll- the Yushika 44 gray, gray or the Roly? It's kind of both, green. Gray, both right? are gray. What color would you say? That's greenish gray, right? No, it's just sure. like, that's gray. They're all gray. It's creamy gray. It's like uh, a baby poo gray. It was a time when things were gray. It's England. Everything is gray. What year did this it, come out again? So interesting. 1963 I've, 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 I've and lasted to 1966. It feels like 1963 oh, when it I does. look at that. You're, when you had that refrigerator 127, that was white. 
Yes, it was. The Revere. Yeah. The Revere was white. That's about the same time frame. But I, I have a thing. I, I'm just all the time just whispering sweet nothings into Michael Rosso's ear. Let's do 127. Let's do 127. Make some 127 spools. Let's get some paper cut. Let's start slitting film. I love 127 cameras for some reason. I really do. So do little, I. That little mini roll film. And um, so this this little pupski caught my eye and caught my wallet and I'm really very glad, number one, that I can now take it off of my eBay watch list there you go. Mm-hmm. and that I didn't have to pay $75 for it. But I just scarfed it up, like I said, with box, instruction manual, and shipping, and um, I was a happy girl. And how, how did you first hear about it? I probably saw this on Facebook on a uh, group. It's called the Vintage Camera Collectors. They're hard on me, got to tell you. They post some stuff on there. Oops, save it. Got to save this. Got to go to the bay. Got to have. So, Yes. Another 127 yeah. that's great. Let's see the 127 I, I found a Brownie Fiesta. Sure. And uh, oh. in the box with everything. and you know, yeah, it, The box it, is it, more of a party than the camera is. Yeah, it is. It's just gray. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Brownie Vecta camera. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It is a neat Thank you, design. Leslie. You are quite welcome. Of course, more popular here in the U.S., like right over there, is the Kodak Starmite. The Starmites, yeah. the Starmite. Star, there's a lot of them. Starlight. Yeah, a lot in the Star line. They were great. Will you be my star tonight? Well, folks. Yeah. Hoo. Hoo Thanks, everyone, for, um, you know, listening. I really appreciate it. Hoo Film Photography Project is the website. Oh, thank you, Leslie. <laughs> If you want to write to us, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We're going to see you next time. Bye. See you in two weeks. Goodbye. Two weeks. Bye. Goodbye. The whole gang. The whole gang. Whole gang. Whole gang. And yeah. the whole gang. The whole gang. The whole gang. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. That's fine. All right. I'm on it. I'm lame. Got it again. <laughs>
the grease from off your fingertips Salt and vinegar And maybe in the barn if you'd prefer Wow. Ah.